after leading on the road again, huh? I'm in the car today, so hopefully it might be a little bit quieter than usual. And what I'm thinking about today is it's in keeping with the whole socialism, capitalism thing and fairness and inequality and all the rest of it. And I want to talk a little bit about an ill-defined term, I suppose, but poor people. And what has me thinking about that was in relation to my conversation with a past guest and friend of the show, Christy McQuillan. Because he mentioned social services a couple of times and social welfare and things related to giving people a bit of a dig out, basically. And how that the, the distribution of wealth is just apparent, basically. How so few have so many and so many have so, have so, so few. And... It has me thinking about poorness, but not strictly financial poorness. You can be time poor. And I'm going to draw from my own experience over the last year or so in relation to COVID in this. And I'm going to draw a bit of, a bit of an analogy maybe between uh, the amount of time I have available to myself over a certain period and the type of time and headspace that that people have generally. So pre-COVID, my business was tipping along nicely. I had taken on a good bit of risk insofar that I had hired another full-timer, which had effectively doubled my workforce. But I didn't have the business to justify that employment. That, that, That new hire was on a gamble. I was preparing to enlarge my business to increase its turnover but there was a bit of a chicken and egg situation I couldn't increase my turnover without hiring someone but with my current turnover I didn't have the money to hire somebody so I I took a bit of a gamble and hired another guy and things were going great but at the time for like he started the, the start of January and for January and February, and even from the previous September, October, November, December, January, February, in my life, it was a big, giant stress fest. Oh my God, I was just endlessly putting out fires, left and right. And there was so much going wrong that everything had to be dealt with immediately. Something came up, okay, do this. Something else came up, do this. Something else comes up, do this. And you're constantly making decisions immediately. Because if you don't address a problem, not solve a problem, but if you don't address a problem immediately, it tends to spiral. And what happens is you end up with half a dozen different fires around you and not enough water to put them all out. What I had to do was put them out the second something popped its head up, bang! That'll keep that from spreading for now. Bang! That'll keep that from spreading for now. And it's just, you had to deal with it immediately. And that's not good decision-making by any stretch of the imagination. But the alternative, in my particular circumstance, if I didn't address something immediately, 
different fires will pop up at different places and you don't know which one is the one that's going to really catch on and burn your business to the ground. So you're far better off running around putting out little sparks all the time. Now, the downside of making decisions quickly is you typically don't make good decisions when you're in that type of a pressure cooker environment. But again, better to implement a bad decision now than implement a good decision in three months' time when your business has already failed. So there was a, a time poorness there. I was poor on time. I was too busy. I didn't have the space in my head to address things properly. And the analogy that I'm going to draw there is with people who are financially poor. They're both financially poor, but typically time poor. So they have to work two jobs to make ends meet, or they have to travel a long distance and have a big commute on top of their job for the maybe 50 cent an hour extra they're getting because they really need the fucking money. And poor people don't take holidays, can't take holidays. They bend the rules left, right and centre and are allowed by their employer because it fucking suits them basically. They work overtime and they have two jobs and they're in relatively, like relatively low paid work is always relatively shitty work. It's rare that you get a low paid job that's an easy, enjoyable job. Low paid jobs are usually shit. There's an irony there. You think you get paid more for the shittiness of your job, but that's, that's not the case. The shittier the job, the worse the pay. So people are fina- poor people are financially poor, but they're also time poor. And in the exact same way that I was time poor, I made bad decisions. And I think poor people make bad decisions because of the stress of being poor. Now, there's a flip side of this. So that was when the business was in a kind of a growth phase and I was taking on voluntary risk and I was pushing on ahead. Stress levels went through the roof and I was time poor. But then Mr. COVID came along, pulled the rug from under everybody. My business went into hibernation. And what I was left with then was an abundance of time but just nothing to fucking fill that time with. Now, I was lucky, I live out in the country, I have a chainsaw and I had a load of hedges and stuff. So I just buried myself and work around the house. I spent fucking two weeks, eight hour days, power washing the driver. Just to be doing something, anything, didn't really matter because I'm a, a kind of a high energy person and if my energy isn't being put into, into work, it just, I boil, I boil over. So I need an outlet for the type of energy that I have. And it was, it was great in a sense because with all this free time, I just buried myself in work and me and my family are reaping the benefits for all that work that I did, you know, this time last year. But poor people have that as well. So poor people, I'm going to split poor people into two halves for want of a better term there's the people who are working flat out with shitty jobs and then there's the people who aren't working because maybe they're financially better off not working 
because they're getting whatever social welfare or whatever their circumstances is. But there's a, there's a downside to this because when the second lockdown came during the winter, I wasn't out in the dark and the rain and the cold, chainsawing anything. Now, luckily for me, I had this podcast and what I did was I uploaded 758,000 episodes over the course of three months. I just, and that's where my energy went during the winter months. And again, that's just a blessing that I had, that I had something to, to channel that energy into. But the problem that I had then was I had too much time on my hands. And people who aren't working because whatever reason, they're in that poverty trap and they've all the time in the world. That doesn't breed good decision-making either. And there's an irony to that. Too little time and no headspace breeds bad decision-making. But in a, some perverted sense, so does having too much time. Because what you tend to do then is overthink things. And overthinking things doesn't lead to good decision-making either. So there's a weirdness there. You don't want to have no time and you don't want to have all the time in the world. You want a kind of a healthy balance. And I think that's what social welfare should be providing people. It should be providing, or at least striving to provide people. It's just space. It's space to make better decisions because better decisions breed better decisions in the same way that bad decisions breed bad decisions. And I don't know exactly what it was that Christy said, but he, he was referencing social welfare and, and what it's for. And he said something along the lines of, it's to give people what they need and no more. And I think that had, or something, I don't mean to put words in his mouth or, or, or misquote him, but something to that effect. And what that has me thinking now is, and what led to this recording is, what is it that you should be striving to, to give people? And I don't mean, you know, an amount. Is it 200 euro a week? Is it 500 euro? I don't mean it like that. Like, what's the end result of what you're giving them supposed to grant them? Whether you're giving them... A, a house or a rent supplement or cash money or fucking food stamps or, or whatever it is. What's the outcome that you want? And I think the outcome should be to put people in a position whereby at the very minimum they have space to make good decisions because again, good decisions breed good decisions. You don't want them with so much time that all they can do is climb the fucking walls and you don't want them with such little time that they have to address everything immediately or what happens a lot of people they don't address things immediately and all of a sudden instead of dealing with a fire a day you're dealing with a hundred fires a day and it's all out of control and you know before you know it your wife has left you you've a drug addiction you're homeless and fucking then what and it's so fucking boneheaded to be anti-social welfare, to be anti-helping people. Because it, it, it pays for itself in the long term. Like a, a little bit more money spent on educating young women in particular on how not to get fucking pregnant. At, you know, as when they're a fucking teenager. Like for every cent that's spent there, 
You're saving in thousands of euro in the fucking long run. And I suppose in, in, in closing, I what I like about what I've just said there is it's 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 relatively vague. There's there's a vagueness to it. I'm not talking about anything specifically. It's a it's a I suppose a philosophical this this episode has been a, a somewhat of a philosophical episode. And there's a I'd like to think at least a depth to my analysis. It's a kind of surface depth. There's there's obviously a a contradiction there, but this is just my first effort, so I don't mind it not being great. And what I'd like to do is, is present it to whoever's listening in the hope to open a dialogue. As, as Christy said, that's what he's looking to do. He's looking to have the debate. He's not insisting on we do this. But he wants, he wants the conversa- conversation to start. He wants the debate to start. And I think I do too. And I think that's a, a big part of the whole off the lead thing. Is it's just, it's, it's provoking conversations as one of the taglines go. And it's to try and figure out, you know, what I'm missing. Or maybe what you're missing. Or what somebody's fucking missing. Because something's been missed along the way. I mean, there... I don't see the... I don't see the argument against what I'm saying. Because I don't see what I'm saying as being remotely controversial, really. Now, that's obviously for other people to... To say, not me. But I think if you can get widespread agreement on the fundamentals... We can worry about the details later. And we can, we can complain that not enough is being done when something's been fucking done. But to my mind, at least, these days, nothing more than piecemeal is being done. There doesn't seem to be any plan. There, there, there seems to be... And again, I don't follow these things too closely. But there seems to be... We're doing enough so that the people don't revolt. And that'll do nicely. And I, I say, fuck that. When I first set out with this whole off-the-lead thing... I more or less encourage people to pay no attention to politics. And I'm starting to pay more and more attention to it myself now. And I don't regret what I said originally because what I said originally was, unless you have a grounding in certain things, stay the fuck away from politics because you don't know what you're fucking talking about. But I've spent a good bit of time now over the last number of years... I suppose educating myself in relation to uh, the social structures of Ireland and other countries, capitalism and socialism more broadly, you know, the rich-poor divide, conservatism versus liberalism. And I've done, I've done a, what I would consider a relatively good job of, of bringing people along in the journey. 
And I feel like now I have some form of a grounding in these things whereby I can start to pay attention. And I'm beginning to pay more and more attention because I, I feel like I have a better understanding of these things. It's very hard to pay attention to something that you don't understand fundamentally. And I would still say that if you don't know, for, like, here's one for you. If you don't know what capitalism is, what socialism is, what conservatism is, what liberalism is, what progressivism is, what the right politically is, what the left politically is, like, if you, if you can't summarise all of those terms, as far as I'm concerned, you've no real business joining the political debate. Other than in an effort to learn about it. But if you're learning about something, you're not in a position to advise other people on what they should be fucking doing or thinking or what way they should be voting. So I'd sooner see people pull back from it, especially people who are up in their up to their neck in politics. Like there, there are people listening to me and listening to politics generally who can't answer those questions that I asked, can't summarise capitalism, can't summarise liberalism and conservatism, the difference between a Democrat and a Republican, and all these different things. The, dif- the, the main differences between, let's say, Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil and Labour. There are people who can't really nail down the fundamental differences between these two things. And they're in politics! Or at the very least, they're following politics, or will consider themselves to be politically minded. And all these people do is add unnecessary noise to the conversation. And they blur the they blur the difference. They, 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 they blur the obviousness of of some of the claims of both sides. And again, if you think I've gotten something wrong, if you think that I'm leaving something out, if you want to fucking join me on this fucking journey, either online or offline, you'll get me on 89 60 47 888. And on that note, I'll chat you soon.